those verses that the brother spoke of here, uh, they're my verses. How did you know? That's the passage that the Lord has been working on me as the people of God to bring forth an army to develop and train the army of God to be what God said we could be and after many many years of being a Christian I am convinced this does not happen by itself this does not happen by itself There's, this is a this is a, a, a serious endeavor that we take with, uh, with Christianity as the brother said about being a soldier uh, when he enters when he enlists in the army look out he is heading for severe training he is heading for rigorous training that tests everything he's got and uh, I'm not sure what the actual rate is but they may fall by the wayside one after the other. They don't make it through the training stages. They, they drop out. It's too hard. And the higher the military they enlist in, the bigger the dropouts, the bigger the ratio of dropouts. To get all the way to the Marine Corps, Brother Dean likes to talk about, Dean Taylor, to get to the Marine Corps, that's the highest level of training. And only one in, I think, a few hundred who enlist make it. And if, the, if, if this is true, what Paul said here about the soldier and using the weapons and using this, this as the military and army as, as an as a illustration, then we need to take the illustration for what it is. And as most of you know, it's the same with the, uh, when in the athletic world, with athletes, same principle, but they all do it to obtain a corruptible crown. And just before I go to my message here, I'd like to just re go back to that verse that uh, Brother Michael talked about here. He said, in 2 Timothy uh, in uh, do hardness as a good soldier look at both uh, he used the soldier and the athlete in the same verse after verse, verse 2 it says and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses the same commit Thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier. No man that wars entangles himself with the affairs of his life that he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. And then he used an athlete and says, And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully. He used the athlete and the soldier. I believe are the two best illustrations there are when it comes to developing 
Christianity. So, brothers and sisters, we had a wonderful time in Altona. We saw the move of God. We sensed the presence of God, and every one of the young people that were alone had an encounter with God. And it was, it was, it was beautiful. It was, it was special to me. It was worth every effort I put in, and, and all the other brothers put in. And it just proved to me once again, Take that step of faith, trust God, and He will do the rest. His faithfulness has proven itself generation to generation. And there is, it never lacks on God. Never. He always comes true, and I saw that with my own eyes. And that's not the first time I've seen it. And uh, that just, it's not only a great blessing, and a great honor to have been part of it. It also has put a great burden on my heart. And the burden on my heart is this very thing that I've been talking about this past year, actually the past two years. This very thing. We've seen lives changed. But what we also noticed is that almost all the young people Almost all of them that committed their lives to the Lord two years ago had all slipped back and lived in sin again. And there was another visitation and they rededicated their lives to the Lord and they confessed and they repented and became right again. And I keep wondering, is this the way it should be? Lord, there's got to be a way when once a child of God has tasted of the heavenly gift, tasted of the good word of God, there needs to be development, growth, going on. And not as, uh, um, the first thing that happened to those young people is a short while after they got born again, a common testimony is they became bored. Now I know why they became bored. They did not receive proper discipleship. They enlisted in God's army. And then they didn't know what to attack first. No knowing what to, what to take on first. And so our lives, our lives become an aimless drifting. And that will happen to us. That, happens, that has happened to us. That has happened in my life. And I'm not saying all of it is bad, but what I'm saying is our journey with the Lord is an, a journey, is an exciting journey. If it's boring, we're missing something. We're missing something. There is no greater endeavor than, no greater challenge, no more exciting journey than to journey with Jesus, to become like Jesus. Is it hard? Absolutely it's hard. Paul warned us it's be hard. Just look at the warfare that's going on. Just look at the spiritual soldier. Just look at the athlete. He knows it's hard. There's no question about it. So yeah, I'm focusing again on discipleship. I'm focusing and this thing 
has an attitude. Focusing on discipleship. Last year, uh, the focus was on developing a sequence. Developing sequence in the Christian life. Step what comes first? How has God shown us? Has God shown us the steps that are needed to go from point A to, to, to maturity? And studying scripture it has been an exciting journey for me. Studying the scriptures, uh, searching out God's will, searching out God's heart, and finding out what is His will for us. What is the perfect? What? How do we put it in a sequence? That's been my. Uh, my journey the last year getting a sequence developing something and it is still in development uh, and as you know just before Christmas we had the uh, last one that was just before agape love so I've decided I'm not even going there I don't have agape love yet and neither have you let's just be honest we don't have agape love we don't know what it's like we've got to get there and so I believe we need to go back and go over some of the details. And instead of just filling our hearts with knowledge this year, I think we should actually dig down and put into action one step at a time. So we can get to become that good soldier of Jesus Christ. I'm going to start this thing up again. I don't need it right away anyway. We want our, that's our goal, to become a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So we have work to do. Brothers and sisters, we have work to do. To present discipleship is one thing. It must go beyond presentation. It must go beyond showing forth the, uh, a step and a plan. What we want to do this year is follow the plan. And as a leader, I just, there's a burden in my heart. I know I just can't sit around any longer. I can't sit around and wait for things to happen because the Lord showed me down in Altona when we were, um, I was doing those meetings uh, on discipleship. The Lord showed me there's two elements involved in discipleship, two very powerful elements involved. It needs a disciple and a discipler. And so the Lord was working on me too. Trust me. He had me in a corner as well. I've been the kind of leader over the last eight years that believed, bring out the word, throw out the word, show God's people where they need to go and then get out of their way. Uh, but as we have been working on this, when we bring the thought of military into the equation when we bring the thought of an athlete training for, for, for the competition and for, for becoming a professional we do not just tell them what to do and get out of the way 
The goal is to develop us into valiant, powerful witnesses for Jesus. And that's the goal I'm excited about. And because Jesus took just those, those um, 12 men and did what he did with them, I believe every one of us qualifies. There is none too rich or none too poor. There is none too in, unintelligent or none too smart. I believe we're all in, uh, none of, all of us qualify for the discipleship and for this development of the Christian walk. And I know it puts the, on, the onus on leadership. It puts the onus on those whom God has, um, has, uh, has uh, put there. And as trainers and as leaders and as, as, as those, we need to realize that this journey is just as hard for us as it is for everyone else. We have all committed to following Jesus. Every one of us. And if we have committed to following Jesus, we have committed to discipleship. That's it. We have, whether we wanted to or not, we have committed to a life of discipleship. And so the title of my message is Discipleship 101. Coming to grips with our wilderness. Discipleship 101, coming to grips with wilderness. If we look at, uh, let's, let's read the Bible first. We got some very beautiful passages here. Uh, a couple of them I want to tie together. Uh, let's turn to Matthew. Matthew chapter 3, and we'll talk about Jesus' baptism briefly and his, uh, his journey into the wilderness. <laughs> Matthew chapter 3, verse 16, and we'll go up to verse chapter 4 and verse 4. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were open unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, Enlightening upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Then chapter 4 starts, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness. Mark chapter 3 says, And straightway the Spirit drove him into the wilderness. Led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he was afterward in hunger. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones may be made bread. But he answered and said, it is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word 
that proceeded out of the mouth of God. This slide, these slides here will come later. I want to show you why Jesus used the words he used, and, 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 and it's incredible the, the, the word choice he had here. So, the, thing, the first thing we need to understand here, he was led of the Spirit into the wilderness right up as soon as he came out of the water. How close this was tied together. This is no accident. The wilderness is linked to the first stages of Christianity. The wilderness is linked to your choice, your decision, and your commitment to follow Jesus. It is the first step once we're born again. And if we look at, the, at this um, slide here, we can see the first two has come unto me. Oh, by the way, those are the six calls of Jesus. Come unto me and I'll give you rest. That's a salvation. First step of a disciple is follow me. Then it's abide in me, suffer for me, love each other, and go and make disciples. This is two years worth of, word of, uh, of teaching on, this, on, this, on these slides here. So we're going to concentrate just on the, on the first part here. Now let's turn back to Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 2 and 3. Let's see how closely linked together this is. I've had that verse before here. Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 2. Here's again what was said to the Israelites after they had completed the wilderness journey. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee and to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandment or no. And he humbled thee, and he suffered thee to hunger, and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man does not live by bread only, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God does man live. The exact words that Jesus used to fight off the devil. Now one thing you've got to understand right off the bat. The wilderness journey, this is where we are led into by the Holy Spirit. We are not led into the wilderness by the devil. It is in the wilderness where the devil attacks us. So here he says the same words. Here Jesus said the same words that were spoken to the Israelites at the end of their wilderness journey. That he might make them know that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And that he might humble them. Brothers and sisters, we eventually learn the hows and the whys of the Christian life. Yes, we do. But by the time we do, we've lost our youthfulness and our usefulness. 
Athletes start training when they're young. Athletes go through their wilderness when they're young. Everybody knows when an athlete reaches 40, it's time to phase him out. He reaches his peak in his 30s. Moses was in the wilderness 40 years. And I've come up with two reasons why he was there for 40 years. The first reason is he was 40 years old. The second reason, he had no discipler. God had to do it. And so I reflect on my life. And 22 years in the wilderness, looking back, I can clearly see each the phases and the transitions. Going through it, I had no clue what was going on. I had no clue about the battle. I had no clue about the, the, the spirit. We knew the spiritual warfare, but we didn't know where God had us. We didn't know what God was trying to accomplish in us. Oh yes, we read the scriptures. I knew all what I was supposed to do, but the brokenness wasn't there. The humility and the dependence and trust in God was not there. And so if you look at, at um, Exodus or, or Deuteronomy, the verse I just read here, in chapter 8, verse 2 and 3, there's two things he taught them there. The first one, humbling. The second one, trust. Those two must be affected in the wilderness. When it comes to discipleship, I had nobody in front of me to disciple me. I had my brothers beside me. That's a tremendous help. That's a tremendous, tremendous, that can shorten our discipleship. Brotherhood, commitment, and fellowship can shorten it tremendously. But if we know what's going on, I think wilderness experience should be called the bewildering experience. It is where we don't know what's going on. So it must be, so having, looking back at my life, I know it is paramount, it is absolutely essential that we not only show, we get you to understand what God is doing in your first stages of your life. So salvation, these are the six, this again, the six phases of Christianity. We only get out of our wilderness when the wilderness journey is accomplished. And you'll find out what that means later. In wilderness, our beliefs and our strongholds get dismantled painfully. And then reestablished in accordance with the gospel. In wilderness, our doctrines move from our head 18 inches and become part of who we are. In wilderness, we redefine what Christianity really is. In wilderness, we realize the full extent of our fallen nature. It is in the wilderness, if we look at ourselves and look at Israel, 
is where our supports, our struts, are stripped from us and we are left hanging high and dry. You know, human beings are incredible creatures. We can depend so much, we can learn to depend so much on, on something else, on, on, on other teachings or, or others to hold us or, or support groups that we, un, that we actually find out that we can't stand on our own two feet. And so God has a very specific purpose. The wilderness is discipleship 101. Wilderness is the first place we go to after becoming a Christian. We are led there by the Spirit. And so if you don't understand what's going on in your life, believe God is doing it. In wilderness, our bad character traits get dealt with and the good ones developed. It is in the wilderness where we learn not to depend on our feelings, but to walk by faith. Like Israel. It is in our wilderness, and we'll go more into that in future messages, where the horse gets broken. So that spiritual training can begin. And until we have a firm understanding of why wilderness, the journey could actually be lost on us. Not only that, it can be damaging to us. We can end up being guilty. We can end up being discouraged. We can end up putting, turning our back on God like thousands of Israelites did in their wilderness because they didn't know what was going on. They didn't understand that God was doing something in their lives. He was breaking them. And this, these stages, and so I've put together, those are the six stages of the Christian life. And they are fully, fully equip us to become the soldiers, the athletes, and the conquerors God wants from us. The first one, <coughs> and they're easy to remember, the first one is formation, and then it's our, found, our formation, we're, and it's on our foundation. Then it's the framework, and then we work on the finish, then it's the furnish, where we're equipped, and finally, the function. The function is the purpose for which everything begins. Whenever you build a building, you have a purpose for it. An athlete going under a trainer has a definite plan for his life and he wants to get it. He does not believe that he can just develop all by himself. And so on the bottom we've got a few more, just the words to help us cement the concept in our minds of this journey. This is what we've been going through this past year on First Peter, the development of the Christian. For in 2 Peter 1, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge. This, this is what comes after. So it begins, then we belong. I always use this verse. You will never know who you are until you know whose you are. Then you prepare, then practice, then possess the faith, and finally you can promote the faith. We are ill-equipped until we go through the stages to some degree. 
And God is very specific. And that's why Jesus said to his disciples, if any man will come after me, that's the first thing he said, let him deny himself. First, it's come unto me, then it's come after me. Follow me, abide in me, suffer for me, love each other, go and make disciples. This is the framework. These are the stages we as God's people need to get, go through. And so we don't want anybody to feel discouraged when they're in their wilderness. Feel like everything is lost on them. But here's where the spiritual battle is fought. Here's where we find out who we are. So step one. Our children of God. Step one is, I don't care how long you've been a Christian, when we are where we are, the most important thing to understand is to have a reference point. And I share that with the young people in Bible study. The most important thing to know before you can begin any journey is to have a reference point. You see, you don't know where you are. You don't know where you're going until you know where you are. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, Paul said, how do we find out where we go, where, where to go? He said, examine yourselves. Whether you be in the faith, prove your own selves, know you not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobates. He tells the Corinthians to examine. He tells the Corinthians to assess their situation. He tells them to look around. Do you know where you are? Now we all know we have our goal. We've all heard it. The goal of our lives is to become like our Savior. To become like Jesus. To talk like Him, to act like Him, to love like Him, to have compassion. That's the goal. And we also know our character flaws. I don't think there's anybody pretending here about their character flaws. We know most of them. That's not our problem. Our problem is we don't know where to begin. We don't know what to tackle first. We don't know where where the, the, the steps we need to take. So step one is being honest with ourselves and find that reference point. In Psalm 139, 23 and 24, the psalmist said, Search me, O God. He didn't say, Search my neighbor to know where he's at. He said, Search me, O God. And try my heart. And see if there is any wickedness in me. And then lead me in the way everlasting. You, that's, 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 that's finding this place. And then we can accurately begin moving in that direction. So we need to examine this wilderness carefully and thoroughly, brothers and sisters. In this first, first phase here. We need to examine it from every perspective possible. And although we as Christians go through, through different wildernesses in our lives, through, through subsequent wilderness, I've gone through, well, we really, we really don't know if it's one after the other, or if it's one big one, 
There is none like the first one. The first one is where our understanding is thoroughly developed once we, once we get through it. I know Moses went out twice, once as a student and then finally as a leader, as a teacher. The only way to find our reference point is by association. You know what that means? Association, comparison. When we feel drab and empty and tired of the same old, same old, same old, we know there's something out of man. We know this is not the way it's supposed to be. We know there's a, a deeper walk. We know there's a way forward. See, before GPS came on the scene, we had reference points. Before GPS, we had landmarks and uh, uh, people found their way around through the moon and the, and the, and, uh, and the phase of the moon and the stars and, and, and landmarks and uh, places and ways. And we got more more uh, sophisticated, we put names on streets and, and numbers so people could find their way around. So once you knew where you were, you were always sure you could go where you were going. Have you ever been lost in a city? Have you ever been lost anywhere? You know that feeling. You know that feeling. I was lost in Edmonton once. And uh, hauling eggs years and years ago. And it's incredibly, uh, you get all excited, you get uh, fearful, you get angry, you don't know what's going on. And you drive around in circles and circles until you find something that you can, oh yeah, here's a reference point. This building, I know this building. And when I know this building, I know where I can go from here. That's the way it is with our Christian life. Do we know where we're at? We need to do the same. So as part of this discipleship plan, as part of this st six stages, we've uh, uh, gone through the wilderness one, and then uh, abiding in Christ and suffering for Him, going to the highest level. I've been working on two tools. One is assessment, and the other is landmarks. And as I was planning that, as I was putting them out and, and, and uh, talking about and, and, uh, and searching out them, uh, I, I realized the assessment was I was comparing myself to the Bible, the roadmap. I was comparing my character in building that assessment. I was comparing my character to the roadmap, God's Word, to see where we were at, where I was at. And the four key areas that we need to be tested in first is commitment, surrender, humility, and faithfulness. We've talked about that last year. The second tool is landmarks. The signs we can use to pinpoint our location. Spiritual landmarks. Landmarks in our lives where we can see where we're at so we can know where we're going. One thing I began to understand in the wilderness is there's no way around it. If you look at the map 
from Egypt to Israel, there is absolutely no way around the wilderness. You gotta go through it. There's, there's water on both sides and the wilderness. And so, if we know we have to go through it, we must embrace it. And so if we look at, at uh, I just want to put this ahead here to our previous, the one we showed you last year. This is the, the, the illustration we, we showed last year for, for our spirit main, flesh main, in parallel to the six phases and the six calls of Jesus. And so if we know, if we know that we need to go through the wilderness as our first, one of the primary things in following Jesus, then we need to embrace it. Then, we, then the worst thing we can do is fight it. You see, we can be in the wilderness surrounded by people. We can be in a crowd of people and be totally alone. God might be putting us through the wilderness. Do people, are, are people necessary in our lives? Absolutely. I would not want to be without them. I have needed everyone that has, everyone, a God, a person God has put in my life has shaped me. And if I look back, it's shaped me for the good. So one of the greatest reliefs of wilderness experience is to be honest and accept the fact that you're there. As to be honest. That means, if we're there, there are no exit ramps, and there are no easy solutions. There's only one way, and that is through. And Praise the Lord. Because if God loves us enough to put us there, we will not come out until the purpose for which He put us there is accomplished. That's what we must understand. And if we understand that, our wilderness journey becomes a challenge. Instead of a chore, instead of a drab, instead of a, a, we, we don't view it as condemnation, we don't view it as, as whatever, we view it as an opportunity. So, the thing that's front and center for every one of us, should be the goal. At the end of that journey, we want to be where we want to be. And at no time in this journey do we cease being God's child unless we die a spiritual death. The goal is to have that spirit man thoroughly conquer the flesh man. And God provides you with many, many opportunities. The people you're surrounded with, your managers, your co-workers, your businesses, your, your community, whatever it is, God has designed it for that purpose.
And so understanding is crucial. And I want to highlight in the coming messages the tools that we need to get through that wilderness. The tools we need to make our wilderness journey the shortest time possible. We, as God's people, with knowledge, do not need to spend 22 years in here with understanding. We can move out of this phase in short order if we believe, if we trust, and if we use the tools God has given us to accomplish it by the power of the Holy Spirit. And now it's far more than just having tools. It's using them. Imagine that carpenter building a house, putting up the framework, and all he uses is a handsaw. Thinking it hurts too much to use that power saw. Many Christians are like that. We will want, don't want to use the tools God has given us. We want to do it the slow, painful way, you know, slowly. Uh, if you cut too fast, it's going to hurt. Or we, Think about it. Building a building and using a handsaw versus a chainsaw or a power saw. The tools God gives us to develop into the, into the people He wants us to be are not to harm us or demolish us. They are to do surgery in us. They are to change us and shape us into the framework so that God can begin on the finished work. And if we don't embrace it, we have 40 years on the menu. God's word can cut deep. It can hurt, I know. Been there, done that. But I look back now, and it was surgery. It was God trying to do surgery, and I was trying to tell God how to do the surgery. I was trying to tell God which tools to use, and I was trying to tell God the steps you should take. Don't do that. This will dramatically lengthen the journey. Now I know I haven't given any details today. This is just to open up our, our minds to understand one phase comes before the next. This is the Christian life and the best thing we can do is embrace it. I'm excited about this journey. I'm excited about going forward this way. I know we as a people of God have made progress the last 10 years. I know we have. Israel did too. And another thing I know, and I know for certain, God has a plan for us. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know, God says, for I know what I have planned for you, says the Lord. I have plans to prosper you and not to harm you. I have plans to give you a future filled with hope. When you call out to me and come unto me in prayer, I will hear your prayers. When you seek me in prayer and worship, you will find me available to you if you seek me with all your heart and soul. God has that. That's not my plan, that's his plan. 
and brothers and sisters, young people. We have a tremendous army here, uh, a, a crew of young people that are uh, at the beginning stages of their lives. Uh, I'm, I, I'm just, I just see so much that God can do with us. I just see such a future. And we don't want it to go to waste. We want to use the tools. We want to assess where we are. Need to be you know, humble and be honest. And then, by the grace of God, by His Holy Spirit, true fellowship, accountability, discipline, that athlete goes from one phase and from one stage to the next. <laughs>